handout this morning for the message. Go ahead and raise your hand and one of these ushers will give you an outline to follow. He'll give you an outline to follow with there. Amen. And we've uh, been doing this series on Sunday mornings called Things Jesus Never Said. Things Jesus Never Said. And sometimes it's interesting to look at, you know, I mean, it's kind of silly. Some of the titles we're coming up with, you know, I, the title this week is You're On Your Own, I Quit, Bro. And, you know, Jesus never said that. Thank God that Jesus never said that. I mean, who's glad that Jesus has never turned in a resignation letter? What would that look like? You know, I was thinking about that. What what if, you know, I just woke up and, and, you know, I get this resignation letter from Jesus. Do you know the feeling? I mean, we've all been through some stuff, but thank God that Jesus has been there holding our hand the entire way through. Right. What if Jesus were to quit? I mean, think about that. That would be the worst thing ever. Thank God it's not true. Thank God that he doesn't quit. Thank God that he'll never quit, that he'll never say, listen, you're on your own. I can't go any further with you, man. I've done all I can do. You keep messing up every week. You keep saying you're sorry. Then you do it over again. I've had it. I quit. I can't do it anymore. What would that be like? Thank God that he doesn't give up on us and that he gives us another chance. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He's always there for us. And I I thank God that that Jesus doesn't love me or stay faithful to me, depending upon the degree of faithfulness that I've had. You know what I mean? Because sometimes I've, I've been unfaithful. Sometimes I haven't done what I'm supposed to do. But Jesus has still done what he does for me. He still comes through even when I haven't come through for him. And I'm so thankful that Jesus loves me. He cares about me. He doesn't leave me no matter what I'm going through. Can we get an amen today? So we know the truth. We know that Jesus, that God, they never quit. Never tell us you're on your own. I've done all I can do with you. You're a mess. Just figure it out. He's never said that. And I'm really thankful about that. So we're going to open in prayer today and we're going to get into this message. And I believe that God's going to speak to your heart today. Father, in Jesus name, we thank you, Lord, for, again, this amazing church that we have. We are so blessed to have this amazing, awesome, wonderful family that we have here. Lord, I thank you for each person here. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that as we open our, our, our hearts to your word today, that you'll speak to us, Lord, and that you are going to come in and touch us in only the way that you can, Lord. And we thank you so much for being here. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. All right. So number one today is this. Number one is that he will never leave us. He will never leave us. Who could say thank God for that? That Jesus will never, ever leave us. I want to show you a verse here in Matthew 28, verse 20. Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Let's get there. All right. There we go. I heard a whistle somewhere. You know, these young adults, they always throw a whistle out every time we go to a verse. And anyway, Matthew 28, verse 20. (laughs) And we're going to look here. This I love this in the King James Version. But right before Jesus, this is one of the last things he's saying to his disciples. Check this out. He says, it says, teaching him to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. He said, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. 
And so Jesus, he, he's ascending, he's going back up. And these guys, you know, they don't know exactly everything that's going on. They thought he was going to come back like a week or two later, probably. They didn't realize that those couple of weeks would turn into a couple thousand years. So they're like, cool, we'll just go to Jerusalem and, and wait for him to come back. This is going to be great. And, and listen, you know, if we know Acts chapter 3, the Holy Spirit comes and boom, we have this on us. But listen, they didn't realize it was going to be that long before Jesus came back. And so he leaves them with this encouraging word. Listen, remember, I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. When it feels like I'm not there, I'm there. I promise you when it feels like you're all alone. Listen to me. I'm with you always, even until the end of the world. Well, the end of the world hasn't come yet. It is coming. But it hasn't come yet. So Jesus is still with us even today in 2016. And I can honestly say that Jesus has never broken that promise to me ever. He's never broken that promise. And, you know, sometimes I, I feel like people think, well, you know, you say that because you, you know, you come from a, a good family and, and you're a preacher and, and you've, you've never faced anything. And listen, I wish I could say that the Samples family doesn't face any problems or situations, but we do because everybody does. We're people. Now, I mean, I don't go online and tell everybody when I have a bad day like some people do. But, you know, but still we face situations. And listen to me. The thing that's kept me going through everything is this, that Jesus told me, listen, I'm going to be with you always, even until the end of the world. There will never not be a day that I'm not with you. I'm always going to be with you. And so, listen, I talk to Jesus every single day and I hope you can say the same thing. But there's not a day that goes by that I don't talk to Jesus. Now, I'm not the type of guy that talks to himself and I'm not judging you if you are that type of guy, but... I know it's cool. I get it. You know, remind yourself about stuff. But I've just never been one to talk to myself. But there may be times you see me strolling down the sidewalk talking and there's no visible person beside me. I'm talking to Jesus because I talk to Jesus every day, all day. If something comes up, something unexpected, Jesus, hey, listen, this came up. Let's let's handle this. I talk to Jesus every day because he's that real to me. He's just as real to me as you people are sitting in front of me right now. He's more real because Jesus has done more for me than any person that I've ever seen. I've never seen Jesus, but he's done more for me than any person that I've ever met in my life. He's that real to me. He's that real because he's never left me. I can think of, you know, you all know that familiar with this old poem, The Footprints in the Sand. You know, it's an oldie, but a goodie. You know, this guy's reflecting back on the moments of his life. And he's like, oh, man, this is he's seeing these two sets of footprints walking down the beach. And he's like, you know, oh, God, this is great. You know, this is me and God walking together. And, and he's recalling all the moments in his life. But then at the end, he starts noticing, wait a minute, God, through all the deepest, darkest moments, I'm only seeing one set of footprints. Why would you abandon me when I needed you most? That's not right. Why would you do this? You said you'd never leave me or forsake me. You know the story. But God says, listen, at those moments when you see only one set of footprints, Those are my footprints because I was the one carrying you so you wouldn't have to walk through that. And that's what he does for us. He loves us that much that he would never leave us or forsake us. And I'll tell you this, that Jesus is absolutely the best friend you can have. I'm serious. Jesus is the best friend that you could ever have. I've got a whole list of reasons on the top of that list is because he isn't moody. Can I get an amen? 
I mean, who needs moody friends that are, you know, they're mad at you one day and happy the next. I don't need friends like that. And I'm sorry if you are that person. But, you know, Jesus is never moody. There's never a time that I come to him and say, listen, I'm just a little ticked off right now. You know what so and so did? You know what the angels did last night? You know, they put a debit card in my Xbox. They, you know, they, 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 whatever, you know. I mean, seriously, he's not moody. He just, he loves us. He's the same every single day. He loves us. He's always available. He is always available, even in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., if I wake up and I need to talk to my best friend, Jesus is there to talk to me. He's always available 24-7. He's an expert at everything. Isn't it great when you have a friend that's just like an expert at every possible thing? He's good at math, science. He's good. You know, I understand. He's just, no matter what he does, he's good at. And he's your best friend, so he can help you with every single one of those things. That, these are the reasons that Jesus is the best friend ever. He's a Colts fan. And then the next thing, the next thing is this, is that he loves me even when I don't deserve it. That's the top of man right there. He loves me even when I don't deserve it, because there are times that David J. Samples does not deserve the love of Jesus, but he gets it anyway. And I'm guessing that there's times that you haven't deserved the love of God, but he's given it to you anyway. That's amazing because as humans, we don't do that. You, you got to earn my love. You got to deserve it before I'll give it to you. That's the way we think. But Jesus isn't like that. He gives it whether you deserve it or not. So I want to look at Psalm 139 this morning. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. And this is a beautiful Psalm that David wrote. Now check this out. Psalm 139. You're going to look at verses one through five. And this just shows you how close God is to you, how close that he wants to be a part of your life. But Psalm 139, David says, "O oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know, my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know, everything I do, you know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. That's a beautiful thing right there to show how how close God is to us and how close he wants to be to us. It says he knows everything about us. He knows everything we do. That could be comforting or very scary, depending on what it is you're doing. But he says, listen, I know everything you do. He says, I know what you're going to say even before you say it. Man, what a friend is that? How awesome is that? Have you ever had a friend that could finish the sentences before you? Maybe you could you could finish their sentences, you know? I mean, that that's you, you can tell you're really getting close to someone and I mean, I think, you know, my wife and I I believe we're this way a lot. You know, I, so many times, you know, you come up and, and ask, "Well, what would Katie do in this situation? What would she want?" And I can I mean, usually I can tell you exactly what what she would do or what she would want. And except for one time, and I just want to tell a story. <laughs> Okay, so this is one time I, you know, I'm, I'm used to how she would answer and respond to things. Remember one time, though, I was wrong. And uh, so I, I had this church member that was really mad at me. It's hard to believe, but it does happen. I know none of you guys would be that way, but Stu was really mad at me. And so I'm walking through Food for Less with my wife and son one night, little Joel. Dude sees me and just like starts yelling at me in the middle of the store. I'm like, bro, 
Come on, don't do that. Come on. And so this guy's going, oh, you know, you're, you're no good. You're worthless. And uh, I can't believe you. They ought to fire you. And all this, all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, because, you know, Katie, she's a little more um, assertive than me. You know what I mean? A little more assertive. I'm usually the laid back guy. But I'm like, when you get done, my wife is going to rip into you, bro. Come on. <laughs> Finish it up. Come on. All right. Ooh, that hurt. And so, so he, he's going on. Finally, he stops. And I'm like, Katie, have at him. And she's the, listen, we love you so much, brother. Come here. Just give me a hug. And I'm like, what? The first time in my life I want you to blow up on someone and you won't do it? I was so mad at my wife for being nice. She did the Christian thing. But at that moment, I was not seeking for the Christian thing to do. Verse 5 Verse 5 says that God places his hand of blessing on your head. I wanted to place my hand of blessing on his head right then. And, but she wouldn't do it. I was so disappointed, but I forgave her and I thank you, honey. So, I mean, but she's, she's good at that. She can be assertive. Remember one night we were leaving a basketball game in Indiana, this Pacers game, and there's these girls stumbling to their car drunk and she just lights into them. Like this group of drunk people. I'm like, dude, come on, get away. They're getting ready to drive. I can't, I'm like, Katie, get away. They're going to kill us. And anyway, but she knows how to be assertive and usually I could tell you what she's going to say even before she says it, but not that time. So look at verses 16 through 18. But the, but the truth is, is that Jesus knows you better than you know your wife, men. Amen. Okay. Psalm 139, verses 16 through 18. You saw me even before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. God has every day of your life planned out. He said every, every moment was recorded in the book before a single day had passed. And this is a complete side note, but this verse right here is would be my complete thousand percent reason to be opposed to abortion. Because you say it's not a human being, but yet God says before you were even born or thought of, I had every day planned out. Yeah, that's a person. That's a human being. And that, I mean, if God if God thought you were, you know, enough to plan out every moment of your life and then we take that away from you. Anyway, side note, back to the main message here. Verse uh, 17. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. What a beautiful portion of scripture right there that that God is always with us. He's always thinking about us. He always wants to be close to us. And so, no, Jesus is never going to quit on you. He's never just going to have enough and say, I'm out of here. I can't take this anymore. No, he wants to be closer and closer to you. He wants to carry you when you need it the most because he loves us and he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Amen. And the second thing today is this. We are not alone. You know, this may sound redundant, but I'm going to explain something. We are not alone. We're never alone. Now, I want to tell a story about the prophet Elisha in the Bible. Elisha is a really crazy, cool dude. You know, he's got some of my favorite Bible stories are from Elisha. And uh, so please turn to Second Kings chapter six. And as you're turning there, I'll fill you in. Second Kings chapter six. So uh, the Aramean army was at war with Israel and and they kept trying to attack them and, and sneak up on them but Israel had this secret secret weapon they had this guy named Elisha 
and Elisha, as you know, the prophet of God. And so every time the Arameans would go to, to take a different route, Elisha would see it in the spirit. And he'd go tell the king, listen, they're coming in from the backside. You guys move over here. They won't get you. And so he, they just kept knowing every move the enemy was going to make before they made it. It was, it was incredible. And so the king of Aram, he's like, listen, one of you guys is a traitor because they know everything we're about to do before we do it. Who's the traitor here? And so finally they speak up and say, listen, they've got this prophet named Elisha. He sees everything that we're doing, everything. In fact, he actually tells the king, he even hears the very words that you speak in the privacy of your own bedroom. He sees and hears everything that you're doing, king. And so the king has one choice. He's like, well, that's easy. Let's go kill Elisha. That's it. Well, boom, we take care of him. We can defeat Israel. And so they go to attack Elisha. So we're going to look at Second Kings chapter 6. I suppose I should turn there. Second Kings chapter 6, uh, verses 15 through 17. It says, when the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, And chariots everywhere. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. I mean, they are absolutely surrounded on every side by soldiers, by horses, by chariots. I mean, in our day and age, we'd say by tanks and Humvees and helicopters all over the sky. I mean, they were surrounded. There's no way out of this. Absolutely no way. And so this young man, his assistant, he's he's starting to, to freak out a little bit. He's like. This is it, man. You know, great. How did you not see this one coming, Elisha? What's going on? And so he, he's just really losing it. But look at this. What Elisha says, verse 16. Don't be afraid, Elisha told him, for there are more on our side than on theirs. And I mean, look at this. I'm thinking, if I was the assistant, okay, let's see. Us, there's one, two. And there's about three million of them all over the place with horses, chariots and weapons. But there's more of us than them. Thanks, Elisha. You've, you finally lost it, man. I knew this day was coming. You're weird anyway. But here we go. You finally lost. It. There's not more of us than them. We're outnumbered by terrible odds. What are you talking about? But Elisha, being the man of God that he was, he saw things that this guy didn't see. Look at this. Verse 17. Then Elisha prayed. Oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. The Lord opened the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Horses and chariots of fire. Do you know what these were? Was what, what was this? This was what we call the heavenly host. This was the armies of heaven. These are real and they do exist. And there, I mean, can you just picture this right here, surrounded on every side, but right in between there is horses and chariots of fire. Do you think that those horses and chariots of fire still exist? Or did they pass away a long time ago because that's, it's 2016 and, you know, we don't have that stuff anymore? No. Those are still real. The heavenly army is still real. God still goes before us and still comes behind us, as Psalm 139 says. And he's still doing the same thing that he's always done. If you could see into the spirit right now, which, you know, you probably can't. But if you could, you would see this place surrounded, man, by angels, by by the heavenly armies. They're here. And they're real. I heard this story about this missionary. He was out on an island called the New Hebrides Islands. And, and he was trying to witness and, and, and win these, uh, these cannibals to the Lord. And so one night, 
One night, he's there in his house, and they all surround the place. They're surrounded, and, and they've got torches, and they're getting ready to come in, and, and I mean light them up and probably eat them, honestly. It was a bad situation. So him and his wife, they get down on their knees, and they start praying, and, and they, they just fall asleep in prayer. And then they wake up the next morning, and, and there's nobody around. Nothing had happened. Well, a few months later, the missionary, one, uh, the chief of the tribe to the Lord, he, be- he became a Christian. And so one day the missionary is talking to the chief and he says, listen, I, I wonder why didn't you guys kill us that night? Why didn't you? You were so close. Why didn't you do it? He's like, well, you had all those those guards there, those soldiers with the torches. And, and he's like, what are you talking about? It's me and my wife. And there weren't anybody there. He said. No, let me let me let me get these other guys. So they call everybody around and all the tribe confirmed that house was surrounded by by huge men holding torches in their hands, guarding the house. And the, they were angels is what they were. They were angels and they protected these guys from being eaten that night. Angels are real. And they are, they are here today that you, we have angels assigned to us. And we don't talk about this a lot, but it's absolutely true. And so Jesus and the Holy Spirit are always with us, but we're also surrounded by angels, whether you know it or not. You're not alone. You are absolutely not alone. And when I talk of angels, I'm not talking about, you know, the chubby little fat white baby playing a harp floating through the sky. You know, that's cute. If you want that angel, you can have that one. That's not what I want. In fact, most people don't believe it. Most people don't believe, but I've actually have a picture of my angel. And I've showed this to you guys before. People don't believe this. But can we put that on the screen, Heather or Jose? Most, that's what, yeah. So people don't believe it. But so you can have the chubby baby on a harp. That's I mean, I'm telling you, don't mess with me. You want to come to me? You got to get through that. And so it's, it's incredible, isn't it? So hopefully you're wise enough to know that I'm kidding. That's Chuck Norris isn't my personal angel. But if he was, he'd have a headband on and a bazooka or whatever that is. So anyway. Um, let me show you Psalm 34, verse 7. Let's, all right, Psalm 34, 7. Psalm 34, 7. So, yeah, I mean, there, the Bible speaks of different kinds of angels, you know, but I personally, I don't want the chubby baby playing a harp. I want, I mean, I want a warrior. I want a commando that's going to go kick some behind. You know, not play a song and lull the devil to sleep. Psalm 34, verse 7. <laughs> I want my guy to have a bazooka. Psalm 34, verse 7, and this is one of my favorite Bible verses. I, I quote this every morning. Psalm 34, verse 7 says, For the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. The angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Guess what? I fear God. The angel of the Lord surrounds me. He guards me from things that would try to come against me. I'm not alone. I've got Jesus. I've got God. I've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. But I've also got the angels of God, as Psalm 91 says. They'll hold me up lest I even dash my foot against the stone. They're real, and I've got them, and they're surrounding me. So the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. I've got another story. Okay, I know you got you love stories in here, so I'm going to tell one. Um, there's this this uh, missionary to 
uh, I think it was to Africa. And anyway, he was uh, he was back at his home church giving a presentation in Michigan. That was where his home church was. And so he's talking to him and he's telling um, this story that took place. Okay, and so uh, he said he was he worked he donated time at a local hospital there, so he'd have to go uh, to the next town over every few weeks and get medical supplies and bring them back and stuff. And so one day, uh, as he's going on his trip, he sees these two guys fighting. And so he breaks it up. One guy's, you know, got some cuts and bruises. He treats the guy and he takes off on his trip to the next the next town or whatever. But it was such a long walk that he had to stop and, and stay overnight. And so he he would camp overnight and everything and blah, blah, blah. And so anyway, a few weeks later, he sees the guy that he treated, the guy that he helped. And the guy comes up to him and says, hey, listen, I just want you to know, thank you for treating me that day. But that whole thing was an ambush. They they weren't we staged that because we know you have money and you have, you know, you have drugs that, you know, that we could take medicine. And so that night when you went out there, when you went out there camping overnight, we were in the bushes. We were waiting to kill you. But you had these 26 men standing around you, these 26 men with swords. And, and we didn't know what was going on. So we, we, we just left. And he's like, there were 26 men there. Anyway, so he goes about his business. So he's back telling this testimony in Michigan at his church. And some guy in the crowd stands up and says, wait a minute, hold on. What day was that? And so the missionary starts thinking about it. He says, it was blah, blah, blah. He, he named the date. He's like, oh, my gosh, listen to this. I can add to this story. So the guy's like, OK. So he says, on that date, it was nighttime over there in Africa, but it was daytime here. And I was getting ready to go play golf, and I just started feeling like, I've got to pray for you. Like, instantly, I had to pray. So I started calling up all these brothers from the church to pray for you. Could, if you were in that group, could you stand up today? And they all stood up. There was 26 men that stood up right there. And so there was 26 angels that day that surrounded this guy and saved his life. And so all I'm saying is this, is that angels are real. Now, chances are you will probably not see one. You could. It is possible. You probably won't see one in this life. And that's OK. I take God at his word. I'm OK if I never see anything like that because I trust God that they're there. He says they're there. That's all I need. His word is good enough for me. I don't need to see stuff. It's cool if I do. But I do know they're real and I do know they're there. And, and so I just encourage you, man, you're not alone. You are not alone in this life. You've got Jesus. He said, I'll never, ever leave you. You'll never be alone. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the world. And then he said, the angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. And so, yes, absolutely. God has got us protected. We are not alone in this life. That's good news right there. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't quit on us. Thank you, Jesus. That you don't measure your degree of faithfulness according to our degree of faithfulness. You love us anyway. And the third thing we're going to say today is this. This may sound so minor, so, so trivial, so elementary. But this is the most basic but deepest thing that we can get. It's that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. You know, this is more than just a song for preschoolers. You know, that's it's cute. You know, we, you know, we've all heard it our whole lives. That's great. But listen to me. If you ever lose fact of the sight that Jesus loves you, he cares about you. Jesus loves you that that you mean that much to him. Listen, if you could just hold on to that one little thing for your whole life. 
You'll get it. You'll make it. Jesus loves you. I want to show you something in Ephesians 3.19. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 19. Ephesians 3.19. Now this is a, this is a, a deep verse right here. Ephesians 3 verse 19. Now, check this out. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. But he says this. I I just pray that you would be able to understand the fullness of God. May you be able to grasp it just a little bit. But truthfully, the love of God is so deep that the human mind can't fully understand it. I, I can't understand it. I have no idea why Jesus loves some of the people he loves. You know, let's just get real here. Why does he love me even after some of the stupid things I've done? That's beyond my comprehension because humans, people, our love definitely has limits. And it can be pushed to that limit sometimes rather quickly. You see two people that are madly in love one day and then the next day they hate each other's guts. What's up with that? How could that be? Because it's natural human love. That's what we comprehend. Like, man, I just love this guy because he's so nice to me. He's always, you know, he's always he's always there for me, blah, blah, blah. But then the next day he's not there. So you hate him all of a sudden. What's up with that? Listen, that's human love. It depends upon how other people treat you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You say something mean about me and my mom. Guess what? I'm coming at you hard. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. But the love of God, I, I don't full, I, I, a little bit I do, but I can't fully understand how God continues to just pour love out on us even when we don't deserve it. It's the grace and it's the mercy of God that He keeps pouring it out. He keeps giving it to us even when we don't deserve it. And so it's impossible for the human mind to understand the love of Jesus completely. The love of God surpasses human understanding. It surpasses human knowledge. It's beyond our realm of comprehension. We can a little bit grasp it, but not all the way. You know, I I think of the story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. I'm not going to turn there today, but uh, in Luke 15, you know the story that this dad had two boys. One of them comes up, you know, and I, I imagine these guys, these two sons, one seemed like he was kind of the good kid. The other was kind of the bad kid. You know what I mean? And so the, the one that's kind of wild, he goes up and says, Dad, listen, can you just give me my inheritance now? I don't I don't want to wait. Just give it to me now. And so his dad, he loves him so much. He gives it to him. Well, he doesn't go out and invest it or do something worthwhile or get an education. He goes out and he just blows it, man. He's out there getting drunk and partying and going wild. And finally, he loses everything. Every last thing that his dad gave to him, he blows. I mean, talk about despicable. This is all your dad had to give. And you throw it all away. And so finally, he reaches such a low point. He's down. He's out. He's depressed. He's in a bad spot. He gets this one little job feeding pigs. And you got to realize that to a Jewish person, feeding pigs, touching a pig, being around a pig, that's about the biggest insult that you could possibly get. It's it's pork. They don't, they don't touch it. It's unclean. It's foul. And so here he is feeding these nasty pigs. And he's thinking to himself, my God, what is what came in my life? This this is I never thought this would happen. Here I am. My dad's at home rich. My family's still there. I'm out here. I've made a mess in my life. 
Even these pigs, they're eating better than me. The pig food looked good to him because that's how bad his life was. And he brought it on himself. Nobody did that to him. He did it to himself. But guess what? He starts thinking, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe I could go home to my dad. But I'll tell him, I don't want to be a son anymore. I've lost that right. I get it. I'm not asking to be your child. Could you just give me a job? Let me be a servant or something. Just work at your house. And the crazy thing is, is he starts walking home. He's walking down this road and, and, and he doesn't even have to go knock on the door because his dad was standing right there already waiting on him, expecting him to return. And dad didn't get mad and say, I told you, told you, you should have listened to me, huh? You should have listened. You did this to yourself. You know what? No, you gave it up. Get out of here. I no. his dad was there with arms wide open. Say, I've been dreaming of this day for years. I am so Glad you're home. Come here, son. He brings them in just like nothing had ever happened, just like God does to us, just like nothing had ever happened. Well, the other brother, he's standing there saying, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? The dad's throwing a party, inviting the neighbors. He gets on Facebook. He tweets it to everybody. He's home. And, and so he gets this big party going. They're out there killing the fatted calf. And his brothers stand there. What is wrong with this picture? Look, I've never left. I've been the good kid. I, I never even asked for any money. Here I am. I've not gone anywhere. You've never thrown a party for me. You've never done anything. And yet we're throwing the party for this loser. What's going on? And the dad says, listen, that doesn't matter. I love him just as much as I love you. My son was gone and now he's home. I'm going to celebrate. And to the human mind, that doesn't seem... Very fair. I mean, uh, as a parent, I understand it. But but again, if you're going off of who deserves it, this this guy didn't deserve it. He made a mess. He did this to himself. But the dad said, that doesn't matter, man. I love you all the same. I don't have any favorites just because he went out and did something stupid. I forgive you. And the same is true with God. He has no favorites. He loves us all the same Thank God for it that any time that I've screwed up, he wasn't, you know, I come back to God and God's never said, well, let me think about it. I don't think you deserve it this time. Of course, I don't deserve it. But that's the beauty of Jesus. that He doesn't love us if we deserve it. He just loves us because he loves us no matter what. He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. He's not going to quit on us. He's not going to do it because he loves us that much. So Jesus will never leave you, but it, it is possible for you to leave him. And that's what happened here in the prodigal son. He left the father. And, and, and that's, that's sad, but it's true. Sometimes people walk away from the Lord. He's right where he's always been. He's not going anywhere. But people choose to walk away from God sometimes. And that's going to be a heartbreaking thing for a father, doesn't it? You know, the Bible says that God's a father, but he's the best father there ever was. And, and for his own kids to walk away after he's done so much, that's sad. He doesn't leave us, but sometimes people leave him. And so I want to say this today. When you've messed up, it isn't the time to run from Jesus. It's the time to run to Jesus. Too many people, they mess up. They're like, I've got, you know, he wants to, I got to get out of here. I got to get away from church. I got to get away from it all. I just, you know what? I've messed up too bad. I, I just, I can't do it. I, I, I just, I don't know. I need some time to think. I need to get out of here. No, when you are going through something, when you've messed up, that is not the time to run from Jesus. It's the time to run to Jesus because he loves you just as much as he always has. 
They said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I will be with you always, even to the end of the world. I'm not going anywhere. I love you. And we've got to get a hold of that. You know, if God wasn't a God of grace and a God of mercy, then, yes, I could be concerned to say, I've yeah, I I don't deserve it anymore. I, I don't I don't think you could love me anymore, Jesus. But he's not a God that is just fair and plays by the rules. No, he's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. And he loves us every single time. And so the love of God, it's beyond human understanding. You can never fully get a grasp of it. Now, I do think that sometimes as parents, we I, I feel we get a little bit more of a, of a little bit of an understanding, you know, because I can say this, that the love I have for my wife and children, I mean, I, I didn't think that was possible. You know what I mean? You know, I, I love my wife. I love my kids. And, you know, I've got a little girl. Love that little girl a lot. And, you know, I, I love her, love her, love her. And I just I, I can't, you know, imagine her coming to me someday and, you know, making a mistake or or blowing up or whatever. And, and me just saying, you know what, that's it. I quit. I'm not your dad anymore. Forget it. You've done messed up for the last time. I told you what would happen. No, I'm done. You have broken the last straw. No, I'm done. No, man, that wouldn't happen because I'm a loving father. I'm not a perfect one, but I'm a loving father and I'll love them no matter what they do. Now, I'm sure sometimes they'll make decisions, the choices that I wish they wouldn't make. But that doesn't mean I don't love them anymore, that I'm going to quit. Only a bad father would walk out on his kids. And now it breaks my heart. Some of the people I know that they've had dads walk out on. Them. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. That breaks my heart for you. I can't imagine what that's like. But the good news is is that you've got a loving Heavenly Father that would never, ever do that. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's always there for us no matter what. And just like any loving Father, He'll discipline us sometimes. He'll show us the right way. Now, you got to know that God wouldn't use sickness or poverty or smack you in the head to discipline you. No. I mean, I wouldn't do that to one of my kids. You know, hey, you know what? See how being poor is for a while. I'm going to quit feeding you. That'll teach you. Yeah. How do you like that? Or here, you know, let's come here. Let's let's make you sick. Go spend the night at this sick kid's house. No, that's stupid. I mean, no loving father would put that on their children. Seriously. And people blame God for stuff like that. My gosh, man, get away from me. I don't want anything to do with you. But, you know, but but God will discipline us through his word. Through, through being at church, speaking to us, God will, God will speak to my heart sometimes through a sermon. And I'm like, oh, man, I didn't want to hear that. Oh. But hey, it's in there, so it's true. And I can't change that. All I can change is me. Don't try to change the Bible. Try to change yourself. And so, so God will correct us sometimes. But it's amazing that he just loves us anyway. Because he's the best dad, the best father, the best everything that there has ever been. And so it, it does amaze me how how he can just love us all the same. He can love the most hardened atheist as much as he loves the most perfect little Sunday school child in the world. Loves him the same. I don't understand that sometimes. Why? This guy makes fun of you and mocks you and curses your name and, and tries to, you know, get the believers in you to give up. But you love him anyway. I, I don't know if I could do that, but God can. It's the love of God. It's beyond human understanding. So I remember one story, all right, and it's this. I was, I was working at, in college uh, in Oklahoma uh, as a telemarketer. Yes, I spent about 14 months in the telemarketing industry. It was, it was crazy. Uh, but anyway, so 
telemarketing is pretty much a job anybody can get, no matter who they are or what they look like. So I worked with a lot of extremely weird, freaky people. Uh, so anyway, I'm just going to be real. There's some weirdos in that place. So I'm sitting down one day, you know, putting the headset on, getting ready to call people and get cussed out and threatened. I loved it. I'm kind of a sensitive guy, so I don't like getting yelled at. But being a telemarketer, you get yelled at every day, all day. Where do you work? Where do you live? How would you like it if I called you during your dinner? Listen, I'm just trying to make my way through college. Don't threaten me, man. So I'm sitting there getting ready to make call. This dude comes in and sits down beside me, and I'm like, whoa, mama. I got this trench coat, this weird hair like down to like his calves he had carved his fingernails into the shape of daggers and he's getting ready to start typing and i'm like oh jesus (laughs) all right you know you're not supposed to judge based on appearance guilty i judged him that day i was like that dude's a freak but anyway and i did and that's wrong man i shouldn't have done that but i did and so anyway i'm sitting there like well Okay, so I make it through my shift. I come back in the next day, and sure enough, guy sits down beside me again. I'm like, there's like 50 tables in here. What are you doing? So he sits down beside me, and you know what? I'm like, you know, God convicted me. He spoke to my heart. Man, this guy deserves to hear about Jesus just because, he, you, know, he's, you know, he's not beyond reach. You know, I judged him as being probably an atheist or agnostic, and I should have done that, but my judgment was totally correct. He was. And so, so you know, I start talking a little bit. And he's like, so, you know, what are you doing here? Found out he's from California. That explained everything. But anyway, <laughs> I'm, 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 he was, but I'm kidding. We love everybody. But so anyway, this guy is from Redondo Beach, California. So we're talking and he's like, so, man, what brings you out to Oklahoma, man? And I'm like, I think he was on something, but I'm not quite sure about that. I think it was possible. So anyway, we're talking. I'm like, well, tell you what, I'm in Bible college, you know, studying to be a pastor. <laughs> and, and so we start talking. And anyway, you know, he's like, oh, that's cool, bro. I, you know, I, I'm really an agnostic. You know, there may be a God, but I just I don't think you could prove it. So I don't try to go that route. And, you know, I, I do this, this and this. And so we start talking. And I mean, it just hits me like, man, this guy is just ripe for the picking. It would be awesome to go, you know, win someone to the Lord that was perfect and had their shirt tucked in and a comb over. And like, but what's even better than that to go win some weirdo that's like, you know, yeah. so here I am. And I'm like, listen, can I talk to you? And so we start talking. And I mean, I explained some stuff to him. He asked some questions. We start talking. He's like, believe it or not. I grew up in church, man. I was actually studying to be a pastor, and I, I walked away from it. I just, I had enough, and I, I turned around, and here I am today, and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, because of the love of God, we, we talked, and this dude received Jesus back into his life, right there at a telemarketing center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, you know, looking back on it, I was so, so glad that God could see past all of it, that God could just love this guy anyway. And God forgive me for being wrong. I was wrong. I shouldn't have acted that way. But thank God that, that you know, I got past that and he, he worked through me. And this guy came to the Lord because Jesus loves everybody and he loves them all the same. He's there with us. He's there with us every day. And so I want to show you one last verse here. First John chapter four. First John chapter four. And we're going to look at verse nine. First John four. Verses nine and ten. First John four verses nine and ten. 
But Jesus loves us. He's never going to quit on us. No matter what we're going through right now, he's there with us, carrying us. Amen. He loves us. First John four verses nine and ten. I love this. This is beautiful. It says God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so we might have eternal life through him. Think about that. Jesus was the only son of God and God gave up his only son for a whole bunch of people that didn't deserve it for a whole bunch of people that some would say that Jesus never even existed. Some would curse his name. Some would do all kinds of things to the name of Jesus. But God still sent his son for them anyway. I don't get that. I wouldn't give up my kids for anybody. I'm sorry. Uh, there's no way that I'd go into some courtroom where some guy was getting ready to get sentenced to death and say, you know what? Here, take my son. He's never sinned. He's a good kid. Just take him and let the murderer go free. It's basically what God did. He said, all these people, they're you know, guilty. They've done everything. And so we got this one perfect person. It's my only son, but I'm going to give him anyway. I mean, I don't get that, but I believe it. You know what I mean? I I know it's true, but it's beyond my full realm of comprehension. I don't fully comprehend a love that great. But God gave his one and only son for everybody, everybody, for the hardened murderer, just as much as for the perfect, innocent child in the nursery right now today. He loves every body the same. So he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Look at this. Verse 10, it says, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. I mean, that is real love. Not that I can love somebody that's perfect, but that somebody that's perfect can love me that screws up. Like that's real love. Not that, that God loved us, but, but that we love God, but that God loved us enough. And he says he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. What a beautiful, beautiful portion of scripture that is that God loved us enough to give his only son for all of us. And so especially you're here today, man, you love God, you fear that he loves you no matter if you love him or not. But if you fear the Lord, you're walking with him, you're doing the best you can, man. Listen to me. God is right there, right there with his arms around you. And no matter what it is you're going through. He's got you. He's got your back. He's going to carry you through it today. And listen to me. There's never going to be a time where Jesus says, I quit. I've had enough with you. You're not good enough. I just I can't take you anymore. It's not going to happen. He loves us enough to give us chance after chance after chance. And that's good news today. Amen. That Jesus loves us. He's not going to quit. And so I encourage you, don't quit on him. Whatever you do, don't give up on Jesus. Don't don't quit on Jesus. He's there for you. you. You be there for him. You keep showing up. You keep doing what you know to do. And listen to me. In the end, you win because Jesus always has the last word. There's a day coming. It says Revelation 21. Listen to me. Revelation 20. There's a day coming when that says that old serpent, that liar, the devil is going to be thrown into the bottomless pit that burns with sulfur, the lake of fire. He's going to be locked up. He's going to stay there forever and ever and ever. And it says Jesus is going to take us into heaven. He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more destruction, nothing else but goodness for the whole rest of eternity. And that's what we're headed to right now. 
I'm this, you know, hey, listen, I'm this close to getting there. I am not going to give up on Jesus right now. There's no way in this world that I'm giving up on Jesus, that I'm walking away from him, that I'm quitting church, that I'm quitting this, that I'm quitting that. Not going to happen. I'm going to draw closer to Jesus than ever before. I'm not running from him. I'm running to him. And there's nothing anybody can do to get me away from Jesus I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. And because of that, man, listen, I am winning. I will always triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together today.